Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of This Week in the World of Football. This is episode number 260 for September 6, 2022. I'm your host, Randy Snow. On today's show, the college football playoffs will be finally expanding in a few years, and quarterback Russell Wilson gets a big new contract extension from the Denver Broncos before he ever played in a single regular season game. Hmm. In this week's history lesson, we have part three of our discussion of the greatest player nicknames in football history. This time, they're all Heisman Trophy winners. But I'm not here by myself. Across the table from me, as always, is my son, Adam. Yes, I'm glad I could uh, step away from my uh, Madden franchise, uh, taking the Jaguars uh, to the playoffs (laughs) and uh, moving them to London to... Appear on your puny little podcast. Oh, gee, thanks. Got a lot going on, you know. It It was a big decision to decide to move the Jacksonville Jaguars to London to become the London Monarchs, but (laughs) it had to be done, and I'm trying to be a financially responsible owner and bring a great team to the city of London. Do they have the same uh, logo and uniform? It is. you got to see it. It's great. Oh, they they made sure to... That would be cool. It is. uh, I haven't (laughs) seen it yet. You haven't got that part of the game yet, Mm. but I set the, the... uh, things in motion to become the London Monarchs. Hmm. And, yes, same logo, same helmet, and I'm pretty sure the same-looking uniforms uh, as the London Monarchs of the NFL Europe franchise. Wow. So uh, Interesting. Yep, uh, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited, and that, that's why we got to rush through this podcast so I can get back to oh, get yeah. back and uh, go yeah, play my Xbox. Don't let this podcast interfere with your Madden 23 plan. It already has. I had to stop, okay? <laughs> we come to you each week from the World of Football Man Cave, located right here. In the center of the football world, Kalamazoo, Michigan. We're here to promote the game of football in all its many forms, past, present, and future. Our goal is to educate, inform, and entertain our listeners with the glorious buffet that is the world of football. All this while keeping a close eye on the rich history of the game. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on one of our many platforms, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube, where we post the entire audio portion of this show, as well as other selected videos. So, let's begin today's show with Adam and the World of Football scoreboard. Uh, more aptly named probably the stuffed World of Football scoreboard. Oh, man, this is the biggest scoreboard it, we've had it in looks six like about, months. I, I, I'm looking here, like, this one is half a page, then there's a full page, and then another half a page. we got about two pages <laughs> of scores here, so let's not dilly-daddle and just get straight to it. It was week 13 in the Canadian Football League. That's right, we're starting in Canada, everybody. Suck it. Uh, Friday saw the Ottawa Red Blacks defeat the Montreal Alabama. 38 to 24. It was the second road win in a row for Ottawa. Uh, and on the red black side of things, it was quarterback Nick Arbuckle who completed 20 passes for 313 yards and a touchdown while wide receiver Jalen Acklin caught seven passes for 159 yards, which was a career high in receiving yards. And then on the Montreal side of things, quarterback Trevor Harris completed 22 passes for 256 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions, while wide receiver Eugene Lewis caught six passes for 63 yards and a touchdown. All right, no Saturday games, but then on Sunday we saw the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defeat the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in a close game 20-18, to helping the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the two-time defending Grey Cup champions, clinch the first playoff spot of 2022. Saskatchewan actually led the game 14 to nothing in the second quarter, but the defending champs came back to tie the game 17-17 going into the half. Mark Leggio kicked a game-winning 55-yard field goal with three minutes left in the game for the Blue Bombers, 
And then quarterback Zach Caleros of those Blue Bombers completed 15 passes for 215 yards and two touchdowns, while Saskatchewan quarterback Cody Fajardo completed 23 passes for 292 yards and an interception. Well, you know, you said there were no Saturday games. This was Labor Day weekend up there. So well, they, I was just about to get to then okay. the first of, and then the first of two <laughs> Labor Day games well, this week. Well, but they still consider that a Labor Day week. They, you know, they're all labeled Labor Day weekend because oh, it's okay. the same matchups for, for most of these teams. But, yeah, they actually had two games on Labor Day. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, yes. Then on Monday, we had the doubleheader on Labor Day during Labor Day weekend, which we probably should have led with at the top of the scores. Not properly labeled. Thank you, Crack. I took, a, I took him in. Crack scripting order. staff over there. <laughs> All right. On Monday, the first game saw the Toronto Argonauts defeat the Hamilton Tiger Cats 28-8. to This is their fourth meeting in the last five weeks for these two teams. That's, That's insane for a rivalry. It, is. it sure is. And for a rivalry as intense as this one can get. Yeah. Um, uh, this is the first Labor Day win by Toronto in a decade. That is right. Mm. It took them 10 years to get a win on Labor Day, which yep. is just crazy to me. It is. Uh, the game was tied 8-8 eight to eight at halftime, but Hamilton was shut out in the second half. The only touchdown for the Ticats came in the first half during a 66-yard interception return by Jamal, uh, Jamal Roll in the second quarter, which was a really cool interception, oh, yeah, by the way. Was. That was a great highlight right there. Uh, then for Toronto, though, quarterback McLeod Bethel-Thompson completed 22 passes for 298 yards and two touchdowns, while Hamilton quarterback Jamie Newman who got the start for the in, over the injured Dane Evans and Matt Schiltz, completed 14 passes for 171 yards. Man, they're already on their third quarterback yeah, this year. Yeah, oh. they're, they're in serious trouble at, at the quarterback position there. They actually used a fourth quarterback quarterback that had uh, a few passes. I think he complete, completed two of six. I forget his name right now. But, yeah, they're, they're struggling at quarterback. Um, some good highlights, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, that interception. No, if you haven't no seen that interception, touchdown. I saw that either on the CFL Instagram page, or probably maybe even on the Hamilton Tiger Cats Instagram page. If yeah. you're not following any of these teams on Instagram, you guys should. They they make sure to put a lot of those great highlights out there. There was even one from the uh, Winnipeg Saskatchewan game. You didn't even see no, from I the had, highlight I didn't package. See it you showed it to I me. I had to show that to you, where the punter sidestepped a a guy who could have easily have blocked that kick and or tackled that punter right there, mm. but. The way he sidestepped the dude, and the dude just kept running past him. Was, kind of nonchalant. He just stepped to the side, so and the guy good. went flying past him. It was so good. That guy had to have gotten reamed in practice by those coaches the next day. But anyway, we're going to move on to the final game of Labor Day weekend, the second of the doubleheader on Labor Day itself, and that saw the Calgary Stampeders handle the Edmonton Elks 26-18 to in the Battle of Alberta, which is one of the greatest names yep. in sports. Yep. Uh, Maybe something you should do. Great team rivalry names like that. Like you got the Red River rivalry. You got the Banjo <laughs> Bowl. And how about the Battle of Alberta? It just mm. sounds epic. It sounds like something that you would find in Game of Thrones. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> Edmonton led the game 8-7 to seven at halftime, but a big second half by Calgary gave them the win. Calgary quarterback Jake Mayer completed 18 passes for 238 yards and two touchdowns while Edmonton quarterback Taylor Cornelius completed 22 passes for 257 yards and two touchdowns, while wide receiver Reggie Begleton caught five passes for 57 yards and two touchdowns during the game. Yeah, uh, Taylor Cornelius, I mean, he's a, he's a young player, and he's a Canadian quarterback, so everybody up in Canada is really rooting for him. He's not playing bad. He's just not winning some games, you know. But he's going to be a good one, I think. Give him, they need, they give him some time. Give him put a, few a team years around and, him because yeah. I mean, Edmonton. They've been looking for a quarterback. I think they got him. Yep. What they really need now is give him some weapons, 
Give give him a defense, yep. and you might have a team who protect him. Could, you <laughs> might actually have a team there in yeah. Edmonton that could actually make some noise there in the CFL. Yeah. All right, and then on by this week, the British Columbia Alliance, who will next week be hosting the Montreal Alouettes. And before we move on, we're going to quickly look at the standings in the CFL in the East. The Toronto Argonauts sit at the top with a six and five record, followed by the four and seven Montreal Alouettes, the three and eight Ottawa Red Blacks. And finding themselves suddenly at the bottom <laughs> of the pack there in the East, the Hamilton Tiger Cats at 3-9. and nine. In the West, we already talked about them. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers at 11-1 and one have clinched the first spot in the playoffs. Congratulations to them. Yeah, no surprise there. Yeah. They've been they've been so tough all season long. Yeah, 11-1, and one, and it's a, what, a 20-week season, 18-week yeah. season? Yeah, 18 games over 20 weeks. So we only got six or seven weeks left before you know, we hit the playoffs, which yep. is crazy to me. Yep. All right, and then the British Columbia Lions at 8-2, and two, the Calgary Stampeders at 7-4, seven, seven and four, the 6-6 six and six Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and then the 3-9 and nine Edmonton Elks. Mm. So... Uh, Pretty soon we'll be talking about CFL playoffs, which oh, is yeah. just they're, nuts to they're, me. They're right around the corner. Oh, man. <laughs> but that'll do it for the CFL side of things. And now we actually go to week one of college football back here in the States. What a great weekend it was for some games. Yeah. Having some great matchups. And we're going to throw it over to Randy, who's going to lead us through this minefield of, <laughs> of oh, scores. There were so many good games. I'm gonna try, was... we'll try, I'll try not to jump in if I don't have to. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's get to these. Okay, well, let's start out. Uh, number one, Alabama shut out Utah State 55 to nothing. Number two, Ohio State over number five, Notre Dame 21 to 10. We watched quite a bit of that game. Well, I watched a lot of this game while you fell asleep. Oh, did I? You you came out probably <laughs> in, during the second half. I was over watching it, and you were in your room watching a marathon of Married with Children probably. And <laughs> I was watching the game actually with my mom, which was interesting, mm. but... What a what a fight uh, Notre Dame put up for most of this game. They were leading at halftime, I believe, ten to ten to three, mm. maybe or ten to seven. Yeah, I don't recall. Uh, I think it was ten to seven. And I had a bet with a Ohio State coworker at work that uh, Notre Dame would win Week One. I mm. bet him a breakfast, and for a while there, <laughs> I know he had to be sweating because Ohio State did not look like the Ohio State we're used to. Mm. But in the end, they finally pulled it out. But this is going to – I think this will be a different Ohio State team this year. This is probably going to be – and I told him to his face. I was like, you're going to grin or, or wince. But this is a more Michigan-like Ohio State team than they've been in the past. And what I mean by that – What a backhanded compliment. It is a backhanded compliment. <laughs> but what I mean by that, though, is watching that game – and I don't know if it's because Notre Dame's defense was that decent for a lot of it – but Ohio State did not have the big explosive plays you're used to seeing. They were a more kind of ground and pound, kind of biding their time till they could strike kind of team, which I think is very weird. And that's a little more uh, along the lines of some of the other Big Ten teams, like your Iowas and your Michigan. Oh, Iowa. Are we even going to talk about Iowa? Because that's something I want to talk about at some point. Uh, but I digress. Yeah. Um, but, hey, Ohio State came out on top. I'm not going to say they're the second best team in the country, but – they're still going to be a force to be reckoned with if this is how they're going to go out and win games because that was a hard-nosed, fought victory. Okay, uh, moving on. Number three, Georgia over number 11, Oregon, 49-3. to You would think two basically top 10 teams would have been a little closer in talent. but You, you would have thought it would have been more Ohio State-Notre Dame, but yeah. this was uh, Georgia 
was clearly ready that, you know, the defending national champions were ready to play. And I think they proved that they are probably the second best team in the country. If not mm. still the best team in the country after just embarrassing Oregon, who was already embarrassing themselves when they got off the bus in those horrid green yeah. uniforms. Yeah. What did I tell you before the game? When you look like crap, you play like crap. And, and, that, and it, again, it turned out to be true for Oregon. Can we slap that on a t-shirt? I think that is just, <laughs> that can make so much money. I'm telling you right now, nobody steal that. <laughs> Or if you're going to at least give us some credit and give us some residuals. Yeah. The the whole weekend, it started, what, last Thursday? And they had, we had five, five, no, last Thursday night, oh, we had Thursday, five August. straight days of college football uh, every day. And it ended uh, on Monday night, last night, with number four Clemson defeating Georgia Tech 24-10. to 10. Uh, Let's see, the game we watched, number 15, Michigan State over Western Michigan, 35-13. to That was... Closer game than that score kind of looked like. Yeah, they played... Western Michigan played fairly well, but boy, they just... They shot shot themselves in the foot when they needed it the most. You know, drop passes and... And they they couldn't take advantage of when Michigan State kept shooting themselves in the foot. They they might... They kind of clawed in there a little bit, capitalized on a couple of Michigan State mistakes, but they just couldn't get over that hump. Yeah. but Western's done this to state in the past, though. We've seen them play in at Western, right? Yeah, and it was a that score was also the kind of the same situation. It was closer than the final score looked, right, and right. even some Michigan State fans, another one I bet a, a breakfast on, uh, who I have to pay up, said, "You know, you guys looked pretty good. We kept looking pretty bad for most of that game, but." Mm. Uh, they came out with it, and that's all that matters. Yeah, I think a few years ago, uh, Western Michigan and Michigan State signed a, a three-game deal where uh, we went to Michigan State twice, and they would come to our place once. And that worked out really well. That was a great game. That was a great experience. Yeah. One to, of the best experiences. Michigan State the... there in Kalamazoo yeah. playing in a game, and the, the place was more... – I'd never seen that many people in Kalamazoo. I'm hoping the same will happen when we go to that pit game uh, next week. Well, we'll see. We'll see. And speaking of uh, Pittsburgh – uh, they defeated West Virginia 38-31 to over the weekend in what was known as the Backyard Brawl. The attendance for that game was 70,622, and according to what I read, it was the biggest crowd in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh sports history, and I find that hard to believe. Right, with, with the, how many, many playoff runs? And, yeah, with all the yeah, playoff, playoff runs the Steelers wins. have had there. Like I know they, they don't have a Super Bowl there in Pittsburgh like right. at that stadium, but those runs that the Steelers were going to the Super right. Bowl, I mean, granted, one year they were on the road for all those playoffs, mm-hmm. but like... The Steelers are a perennial playoff team. Yeah, I mean, hosted they, many games. They love Shoot, that even team. Even Ben Roethlisberger's last game. You're telling me even that didn't have a sellout crowd yeah. more than this? Yeah, that that blows my mind. Yeah, I I don't know. I I thought that was strange, but yeah, I saw that several different places. Uh, moving on with some more scores. Florida State over LSU, twenty-four to twenty-three. Uh, we caught the. Well, I don't know if we caught the. End I didn't of this, catch any of this game. Just but, the the highlights. But the highlights, yeah. After a ninety-nine yard scoring drive. To end the game, LSU's point after, uh, which would have sent the game into overtime, was blocked, and it didn't even look like it, w- it w- didn't look like a bad snap or bad timing. They just got the bull rush on that offensive line, and they went across that line and they blocked that kick <laughs> to win that game. Wow, what an ending for that one! Uh, let's see, Old Dominion over Virginia Tech, twenty to seventeen. This game was delayed due to the Virginia Tech coaches getting stuck in an elevator on their way to the press box. You pointed that out to me. You I, saw that on Twitter or something. Twitter is simultaneously the greatest and worst thing on the planet. But, you know, anytime I sit down and watch a football game, I will have Twitter, like, ready to go. Because, like, as soon as something happens, I'll jump over to Twitter to see what people are saying. Like, you know, getting live kind of feedback from people as a game is happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I think especially that was during the – 
can't remember if that was during the Western game I caught that or if it was during the uh, uh, Ohio State game. I forget which night that was, but it had to have been Saturday. So it might, might have been during the Ohio State game. But seeing that, that was everywhere. You know, like Barstool Sports shared it. Mm. It was on several other pages. But that was something I was like, we cannot go a podcast without talking about a group of coaches getting locked <laughs> or stuck in an elevator. And that's why a game was delayed. That is just one of the craziest excuses I'd ever heard. Take the stairs next time. Make sure yeah. you're there on time. As a person who has been stuck in an elevator before, uh-huh. um, I think these guys had more priority of the, <clears throat> the people getting them out as opposed to me just trying to make it to a movie one time and yeah. being stuck for three hours. <laughs> mm. <laughs> All right, more scores from the FBS. Penn State over Purdue, 35-31. to North Carolina over Appalachian State, 63-61. to Appalachian State scored 40 points in the fourth quarter after being shut out in the third quarter. These might be the best highlights altogether wow. all week. I mean, that was the 40 points game. in the fourth quarter was just bonkers. Because I remember we earlier in the day we were watching the Michigan game, I want to say, and we kind of saw this game happening because they, they kept talking about how Appalachian State, you know, it was 15 years ago that they right. beat Michigan. Uh and now they're, you know, they moved up a level in college football. They're a little bit more of a power. I won't say a powerhouse, but they're, you know, they're a team to be reckoned with yeah. in the last few years. Yeah. And uh, when we first saw this, you know, it was kind of a back and forth game a little bit, it looked like. And it was like a, a typical 20 to, you know, 21 or 20, 24 score. It was something we around there for a while. And it's like, okay, that's probably where that game's going to finish up. And it wasn't until later on that evening that I saw that score, and I was like, wait, what happened? <laughs> I missed, you know, we just missed a crazy second half highlights. Because after the Michigan game was over, I think we went about our day for a while. Because we're like, oh, we don't have to worry about college football till the Ohio State game later tonight. Right. Boy, oh boy, were we wrong, and we should have tuned <laughs> in to the end of this game. Yeah. Because it was a thrilling end of that game. Yeah, like I said, so much good football in, yeah. in this first weekend Uh Man, it's really got everybody excited. All right, a few more scores left that uh, I had written down here. Uh, Rutgers over Boston College, 22-21. to Liberty over Southern Miss, 29-27 to in four, count them, four overtimes. And finally, one of the weirdest games I've ever seen, Iowa over FCS South Dakota State, 7-3. to And no, that wasn't a touchdown versus a field goal. This was two safeties. And a field goal for Iowa. No how, offensive touchdowns in this whole game. How crazy. That is and, just amazing. And, and if you're an Iowa fan, sure, you're glad you got the win. Right. But it took you two safeties yeah. and a field goal yep. to beat an FCS team. Yeah. And nothing against South Dakota State. Good for them for yeah. holding Iowa. You did not let a Division One, Power 5, Big 10 team that is known for just being a bruising, just run the ball down your throat kind of team or tight end university. Every year they seem to have a new all-star tight end mm-hmm. and you held them to seven points. And that means no, and zero Not touchdowns, zero touchdowns. Yeah. Seven points, zero touchdowns. Yep. Good for South Dakota state. My <laughs> applause to them. I mean, you may not have come out with the victory, but you've come away with the oh, heart yeah. of America. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, you, you are now America's team, South Dakota <laughs> state. People know your name now. As if they didn't before. Can we start the South Dakota State watch? I kind of want to see where this team goes. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have many more scores to go yes, through. because uh, I will shut up for the rest of these. Because here at theworldoffootball.com, we don't just talk about FBS. We don't talk about just the top 25. No, we talk about everybody. So we're going to dive down to some lower levels. Uh, at the military academies, which is still FBS, uh, Air Force over Northern Iowa, 48-17. to 17. Coastal Carolina over Army, 38-28. to 28. And it was Delaware over Navy, 14-7. to 7. 
Now let's move down to the FCS level, where Chattanooga shut out Wooford 31-0. Eastern Washington over Tennessee State 36-29. And Tosin squeaked by Bucknell 14-13. In Division II action, it was Michigan Tech over wisconsin Platteville 23-13. Minnesota State over Bemidji State 37-34. And Erskine over Fort Lauderdale 49-2. Now we're going to move to Division Three. Kalamazoo College right here in Kalamazoo, Michigan, over Oberlin, 21-14. It was Alma College over Northern, or I'm sorry, Ohio Northern, 16-13 in overtime. And it was the University of New England over Coast Guard Academy, 17-10. In National Junior College action, New Mexico Military over Snow College, 38-7. That depressed me when I saw that. I love Snow College. Then it was Northwest Mississippi over Mississippi Gulf Coast, 28-24. And Southwest Mississippi shut out Mississippi Delta, 50 to nothing. At the NAIA level, it was number 4 Lindsey Wilson over Union, 50-3. Missouri Baptist over Iowa Wesleyan, 25-23 in, count them, 4 overtimes. And the University of Indianapolis upset and shut out number 11 St. Xavier of Illinois, 57 to nothing. And we begin where we ended off, uh, or we, <laughs> we end where we began, in Canada, with U Sports, their college football system up there. It was Saskatchewan over Calgary, 44-5, McMaster over York, 39-1, uh, to 1, and Sherbrooke squeaked by Concordia, 24-23. to 23. And then in Canadian Junior Football, in the Canadian Junior Football League, it was the St. Clair Saints over the London Beef Eaters, 26 to 18. The Valley Huskers squeaked by the Langley Rams, 23 to 22. And it was the Hamilton Hurricanes over the Greater Toronto Area Grizzlies, 33 to 7. And that is it for this week's Week One in college football. Oof, that's just the scoreboard in general. Huh? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> You know, we we try to uh, give you a few scores from every level of football that we can find. And uh, so, you know, it's not just all Notre Dame and Alabama and Clemson. There's a lot of schools out there playing some great football, probably some in your own backyard. So you should be checking these kids out because yeah. there's a lot of good football out there. Especially nowadays where some of these kids from these smaller schools are starting to m- become big stars in the NFL every once in a while. Yep. It seems like every year there's a couple kids from these small schools that we'd never heard of mm-hmm. that just find their way onto teams and then – get a big name for themselves. So, you know, get in on the ground level with some of these kids. <laughs> well, you know, uh, Walter Payton came from a, a small H- HBCU school, and so did Jerry Rice and, that was something and many else, other players. That's something else you didn't bring up. Uh, the Jackson State uh, quarterback, who I believe is Deion Sanders' son, starting that game off for them over the weekend. I forget who Jackson State played, but uh, mm. he, I think he started off 17 of 17, and... Some of those highlights were incredible, watching mm. him just complete pass after pass after pass. And, yeah. you know, he put up a really good stat line that day. Yeah, well, I I go to the NCAA website, and they have links to all their different divisions. So I just go through, and I look at the ton of scores, and I just pick out three at random for each division. And uh, so I don't always know exactly all the details from these games, but I just look at some interesting team names so that you can hear them uh, on our show and, and some interesting scores like 39-2 to two or 39-1. to one. Uh, things like that. So, okay, that's it for this week's scoreboard. So let's move on to some NFL news. And the big news that came out of this week was the Denver Broncos and quarterback Russell Wilson agreed to terms on a five-year, 
<coughs> Here we go, oh. ladies and gentlemen. I told him the first to drink one some of the water. Day. Yep, I'll take this over. Okay, so Russell Wilson agreed to terms on a five-year, $245 million contract extension, which includes a $165 million guarantee in said contract. Incredible. Uh, before he has ever played a single regular season game with the Broncos. To me, I think this is a smart decision. You're locking Russell Wilson down. The Broncos have been struggling since Peyton Manning has left to find that franchise quarterback. And even before Peyton got there, they were struggling to find a franchise quarterback between him and Elway, pretty much. So I think, you know what, you've got a guy in Russ who's gone to two Super Bowls, won a Super Bowl, um, you know, a proven vet, and you can lock him down for – that's a five years in addition to the two he's already got. Right. So he's with Denver for seven more seasons. I disagree. I don't like them signing him already. I, I say, you know, let him play a year, you know, in your system and then sign him to a big extension before his last year is up. Uh, not before he's ever played a single could, game. Could this blow up in their face? Maybe. But to me, what this – so Russell's got those intangibles of being, okay, he's been in the league for a while, so you know what he's about and you know what he can do. Yes. The big question will be what he can do on your team with the team you build around him. That's a whole other question mark. Hmm. If you feel confident enough, which clearly they did to give him this amount of money, no issues there. But uh, I will also say in favor of him – his character and just how he conducts himself on and off the field is something that I can justify more this contract than when Deshaun Watson got his contract because <laughs> Deshaun was a big unknown commodity. He had all these issues hanging over his head, and yep. yet the Browns still yeah. gave him that contract. Now look where they are. Yeah. And you know what? To me, I would rather have this situation than the Browns situation. Yeah. And Wilson now becoming the third highest paid quarterbacks just in regards of guaranteed money is – yeah, well deserved because you look at that top five. That top five included a Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes was on there, and I think Russ was number two or, or three somewhere in there. But then there were two quarterbacks like Deshaun and I think Kyler Murray were the other two mm. that are up there in that top five. And two of those three haven't done anything. No offense to Kyler, I think Kyler is an immense talent. I think Deshaun mm. Watson on the field is an immense talent, but. They have not proven themselves. I don't think those contracts are fully justified, except for the fact that with the Cardinals, you could justify what I just said about Russ. It's your project. He can do good things, and you're kind of projecting like, hey, instead of us struggling to find a quarterback, let's hitch our wagon to this guy for a few years. We'll see what happens. But, you know, I have no problem with Russ's contract. Uh, yeah, and I think I, you're wrong. I, I disagree. Yeah, I know, and I, I think you're a big wrong, dumb loser for it. <laughs> I think now you're stuck with him for seven years. If he turns out to be a total waste, you're, you've got seven years uh, of money uh, that's Contracts already can, spoken I, for. Okay, I mean, he's only getting 165 of that. So Only $165 million? I th- <laughs> If that's what you got to do to lock down a guy that, that where the upside is greater than the downside, you, you got to go for it. And that's just the way the NFL is built right now. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. And that's why in I Madden, have a hard time with that's it. why your franchise in Madden doesn't exist because you couldn't deal with this kind of. Yeah, I don't uh, play Madden. <laughs> Go back to your fantasy world. All right, uh, I will. Thank you in very another much. Another story, as reported by Fox Sports, over the past ten years—that's since 2012—the Jacksonville Jaguars have spent the most money in free agency 
$1.64 billion. And how many Super Bowls and playoff wins and all that do they have and to show for that? And they have the most losses over that Ooh. period of time also. <laughs> Oof. So whoever's running their money on that team <laughs> needs to be fired right away. I mean, if you're, if you're Shad Khan and you see that stat, don't you just go like, ugh, yeah. <laughs> we better turn it around quick. Yeah, 10 years Oof. of just throwing out money and getting nothing in return Has he for been the it. owner for 10 years? I don't know. I'm not sure when he took over the team. Mm. It has to be somewhere in there. If, yeah, not, if not that that's 10 close. years. Yeah, probably close to 10 years. Maybe maybe more, maybe Could less. be more, could know. be less. Yeah, but that's just crazy to me. Like When I think of a team like the Lions, I'm like, we've done a lot of losing the last 10 years. <laughs> but when you think about in terms of that much money, and then on top of it, it's, oh, they also have the most losses in that frame of time. That's just... <laughs> Because, I mean, they, they've signed a lot of big guys. Like, remember Jalen Ramsey got a big contract with mm-hmm. them. They've, uh, you know, the Jaguars have really lured a lot of big free agents there at a couple points. But they've, the one time they almost made it to the Super Bowl the last 10 years, you know, uh, is their biggest achievement. Other than that, they've stuck. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just, boy, pissing away $1.64 <laughs> billion with a B is just yeah. incredible. That's That's almost as much as, like, the Lions is a of, franchise. Of some, some of the lower end franchises, yeah. You could buy a, fr- a franchise for that, pretty much. Yeah, really. Uh, All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, in college news, college the college football playoffs will be expanding from four teams to twelve teams beginning in twenty twenty six. But they're also trying to push it so that they can start in twenty twenty four. This is good news. I mean, I'm somewhat happy with this, but uh, from what they said, it's going to be six automatic bids for uh, some conference uh, champions and and then six at-large teams. So they're still going to have some committee that's arbitrarily going to say, okay, well, we got six, but we got six others to pick. So we're going to pick this team over this team and this team over this. It should be a no-brainer where, you know, if, like... It should be. It should be a few more automatic qualifiers. Certain conference champs. And fewer... At, at large, large. yes. Uh, I get it. So the six, obviously, you got your Power Five conference winners, probably, right. and then the MAC. I don't know what the, the Mid America. What, what would the sixth one be? Is <laughs> it don't. the independent? Is that like a oh, Notre Dame automatically gets the independent bid? Like yeah. what? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the sixth one would be, uh, unless like the Power Five is now shifting into a Power Six. Hmm. I have no idea. The college football landscape has been changing so dramatically yeah. the last few years. And by the time this thing takes effect, it'll yeah. change even more. It's going to be crazy. By the time this years. comes into effect, say they even get it in by 2024, now you've got a Big Ten that's got a USC and a UCLA. And, oh, boy, you tell me that the, the committee's not going to be chomping at the bit to get USC and Ohio State from the Big Ten into mm. a playoff no matter how they finish. Like, it's mm. going to be complete madness and i do think there should be some more automatic qualifiers i don't know if that should include the mac no offense <laughs> i know we've talked about that i think they should if yeah, it was every if every it was a bigger playoff every maybe. conference should have representation i don't care if you're the mac i don't care if you're the sunbelt conference whoever you are if you win your conference you automatically get a playoff bid that's 10 teams right there i agree to the caveat and then, that, and then two others yeah. that would be you know, like the second best team in whatever you know it should just be an, like an automatic thing there should be no committee that has complete power over who plays and who doesn't. I know it's all about money and it's all about getting on the you know the, the best matchups for the TV because you know nobody wants to watch a Western Michigan be, get beat up by Wisconsin uh, again. Uh, well, by uh, Alabama in the first round of the playoffs, but still, Alabama's you know, going to do that to whoever they play. Everybody should have a fair chance, and everybody at the FBS level right now does not have an equal chance to make the playoffs. With the caveat, yes. So that is where the big stinker lies in that. 
all these teams aren't considered equal. So why are we even right. bothering keeping Western Michigan as much as I love Western? We love our keeping Broncos. them in the same league as the Big Ten. Like sure, maybe during the regular season they could have some crossover, but I definitely think there needs to be a shift in as I've been calling it, the gold division and the silver division in, yep. in, in Division One college football. Have because a let's face it, for the, let's face for it, uh, unless Western goes undefeated and picks off a couple of top ten, a top ten team along the way, they are not going to get looked at. Right. Uh, that year they went undefeated and got a Cotton Bowl victory. They got lucky beating – I won't say they got lucky. They were a good team that year. But they beat a couple of Big Ten schools they weren't supposed to beat. Mm. They went undefeated. They did what they were supposed to do. Yep. And – you know, they just kept looking good and better, and they put up a fight against Wisconsin in the end. Right? Uh, would they have done the same with Alabama? Probably not. But, you know, I do think there's got to be – because the talent pool, until the talent pool becomes a little more diverse, and it might be shifting that way with the NIL stuff. Yeah. But I think until then, college football, hear me out. I'm telling you, a gold division and a silver division. They can still play yeah. regular season if that's what's going to happen. That's another question with this playoff is – well, what the, if you're going to play a three-round playoff now, how is that going to affect scheduling? Like, yeah. Is that just an extra game? Are yeah. we losing a regular season game? Does that mean that like uh, the Big Ten or all these conferences have to play a you know the 10-game conference schedule and then the playoffs start? Like, There's still a lot of moving pieces in this that we aren't really 100% clear on. Yeah, I would think they'd have to do away with the conference championship games. I, I uh, don't see them doing because that because that's, that's, that's going to... another week that could that's go what, into the playoffs. That's what's going to determine half of these teams getting into the playoffs. Well, then you're going to have to lose a couple of regular season games. I, that's then. what I'm thinking. They're going to have to shorten the regular season. You're going to have to get rid of your patsy games. I'm yep. telling you, which I'm 100% down for. Not great for the smaller schools, like you pointed out, like a Western right. getting a payout for playing a Michigan State or a, right. a Colorado State playing a Michigan. And so now the lower schools are, are losing out on a couple of games right. every year because you know they're never going to make the playoffs right. probably, uh, whereas you know they could use the money from those two extra games. Right, so... Unless they're going to expand and move the season earlier, still play those couple of quote-unquote preseason-style games against these smaller schools. Yeah. But we'll see. I think the other big thing that we haven't talked about yet is, you know, we've been hearing playoff expansion for a while. Like, we've been hearing for a while people just wanted six or eight teams. Maybe eventually we thought we would get to 12 mm. uh, teams. But to just jump straight from four to twelve yeah, is a bit of a eight surprise. Is, eight is what they talked about for a while. You know, doubling it to eight, uh, and because all my expectations were, hey, get it to eight, just double it, and I think we'll be perfect. Right now, tripling it and going to, I mean, obviously you're you're seeing dollar signs right. in the committee's eyes, but we'll see how this goes. And I think it's going to get done before 2024. I think it's what the fans want. And now all the talk will be when the playoff comes around. Oh well, here's teams five through twelve who could have made the playoffs this yeah. year, you know. So it's just yeah. gonna be a little more of that. Yeah, there's always gonna uh, be some whining in that. In that oh, regard, wait till the but... first year this is enacted and team number thirteen. <laughs> oh my gosh, doesn't make it in. Oh boy, it's gonna be a a, a wine fest. Yeah, I was gonna say the B word, but it's gonna be a wine fest. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh boy. So yeah, a lot, a lot. Nobody to be, will uh... ever be happy, but right. I think a twelve team playoff will at least be a little more. Right. Uh. Not viable, but a little more uh, what, satisfying. Satisfying was not exactly where I was looking for, but that's more where I was going. I was going to say it would be more uh, fair. Not even fair. What is the <laughs> word I'm looking for? I think it would just be more uh, worthy or more. It would at least prove some of these teams. You know, give them a more legit shot mm. than like, oh, here's your four teams. You pretty much got two yeah. sudden death four, games. Four teams was a joke. 
That was an absolute joke. I kept saying that that a fourteen playoff was not a playoff. It was an invitational tournament. It's still an invitational tournament. Yeah. But. Well, but but it's a twelve team invitation. We'll see if these if these automatic qualifiers at least guarantee who's in there, and there's less of a debate. Mm-hmm. I'm all for that. But then it's going to come down to those six at larges. Then we're just doing the same thing we're doing right now. It's going to be the six teams that the college football committee goes. What what's going to give us more dollars is letting a Michigan come in to maybe play some of these schools going to be a thing or if we're letting in the UCF who's had an undefeated season like right. is that appealing so right. it's still going to come down to that yeah it's all a, all a beauty contest i i do like the expansion you know i just i'm not sure that they're doing it the right way you know to me the perfect thing would be um 10 teams going into the playoffs uh, every conference champion gets the playoffs and then the top 2 teams would uh, get a bye See, like I, I in our ideal world, I could see you know you and me. That's how we would set it up. But they're not going to let a MAC team unless the MAC team is undefeated and beating somebody along the way. They're not going to let them in, uh, yeah, and that's I why know. I think that I college know, but... football's got to be divided into two: your, your Power Five and well, your. You know, they had Division One A and One Double A, and that was your FCS and FBS. Now, so maybe the FBS I think needs to be divided into. I think in a couple of years we're going to see have some two sort championships of, come out of the FBS. I think so. You could double dip. College, yeah. The college football uh, playoff championship, gold, and then yeah. the – there you go. Two Four sets TV of playoffs. Two sets of playoffs. Are you kidding me? The gold mm. and silver playoffs? like yep. One on Saturday, one on Sunday. And then the next week, mm. one on Saturday, one on Sunday. College football, we are available to be hired to uh, <laughs> organize – well, not organize, but just to sit there with a whiteboard and say, this is how it should opinions. go. <laughs> we will fix college football for you, That's dang right. it. That's yeah, right. We've already done it in, my, in our minds. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, Eli's Places, Season 2, Episode 4 on ESPN Plus uh, aired last week. Another one's coming out tomorrow. This week's episode was called In the Trenches, and it was kind of interesting. Eli talked to offensive lineman Orlando Pace from Ohio State, who uh, perfected what was known as the pancake block, where he would basically (laughs) grab somebody and just ride them right into the ground and land on top of them, which probably today is a penalty, but... Uh, he he was the uh, the creator of, of the pancake block, and then he also went to uh, Syracuse, where he talked to defensive lineman Dwight Freeney, and his signature uh, move was the spin move. And they showed so many great moves where he he'd start on the outside and he'd spin around and and cut through the inside and go after the quarterback. So uh, this was a this was a, a fun episode. Uh, so I, two of the greats at their positions. Yeah, I mean, you, you probably know these guys from the NFL, but th- this was during their college days when they were making a name for themselves, and this was very interesting. So I, I enjoyed this episode very much. Uh, love uh, Eli's places. I don't know if Peyton's places is coming back uh, this year. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen anything about it, but at least we got Eli out there, and and their commercials for uh, what is it? Uh, Caesar Sportsbook. Caesar Sportsbook. Yeah, I love those commercials. All right, uh, Arena Football TV on YouTube. The game they posted this uh, uh, recently, it wasn't this week, but uh, recently was a two fo- 2004 game. Uh, the San Jose Sabercats at the Detroit Fury. Last week we had a game with the Detroit Drive, which uh, was around much earlier, but uh, we actually went to a couple of Fury games uh, over at the Palace of Auburn Hills. Sure did. What I thought was interesting about this one was that Mark Champion and Bryn- Jim Brandstetter were in the booth, and they were the ones that did all the Lions radio broadcasts. And I know Brandstetter did the uh, Michigan broadcast yeah, also. Up until a couple of years ago. So these are these are two guys that are well-known to uh, sports fans in Michigan. But they were actually doing the uh, arena football game and uh, from the, the Palace of Auburn Hills. So I thought that was pretty interesting. 
So check that out on uh, Arena Football TV on YouTube. All right, we have uh, uh, one birthday and one anniversary to talk about today, September 6th. Uh, for birthdays, I have linebacker Thomas Benson. And when I saw the name Tom Benson, I thought we were talking about the, uh, the owner, the former owner of the uh, New Orleans Saints, but uh, uh, it was wrong. But I still went with it anyway. Linebacker Thomas Benson turned 61 years old today. He played college football at Oklahoma, and he was selected in the second round of the 1984 NFL Draft by the Atlanta Falcons. He played nine NFL seasons with Atlanta, uh, or he played nine NFL seasons, and he started with Atlanta from 84 through 85, and then he played for the San Diego Chargers in 86 and 87, the New England Patriots in 88, and he finished his career with the Los Angeles Raiders from 1989 to 1992. And the anniversary today, September 6th, uh, goes back to 1946 when the Cleveland Browns played their first ever game as a franchise uh, as members of the AAFC, the All-America Football Conference. So this was the anniversary of their very first ever game as a franchise. They shut out the Miami Seahawks 44 to nothing in front of 66,000 fans in Cleveland. So I thought that was pretty interesting. All right, we have one obituary to talk about today, and that is Steve White, a defensive end in the NFL for seven seasons, has died of leukemia at the age of 48. White played college football at Tennessee and was selected in the sixth round of the 1996 NFL Draft by the Philadelphia Eagles. He ended up being signed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where he played from 1996 to 2001. He also played for the New York Jets in 2002, and White finished his playing career with the Tampa Bay Storm of the Arena Football League in 2006. So that's uh, everything that I had on the rundown so far. Uh, anything that you've seen on your phone? Yes, Andrew? I literally just came across a great piece on uh, Sports Illustrated's uh, Instagram page. I don't know, should we wait till after we do your history lesson to touch on this? Well, I don't know what it is. Okay, so I well, how about I'll tell tease you. it now and I'll let you decide if we do it now or wait till after the history lesson. But it is the cheapest and most expensive NFL Week 1 tickets. And there are two games. And I could have you guess the games and the price for said tickets. Let's just do that right now. You want to do it right now? Let's do it right now. All right. Okay. We'll keep everybody on pins and needles for your history lesson. All right. So there are two games in week one. Um, Let's start with who you think the most, what do you think would be the most expensive game of the weekend? I would say probably the uh, Los Angeles Rams and the Bills game. No? No, not that one. I'll, I'll give you one more chance. Both teams were the color red. Hmm. Uh, the um, the Chiefs and whoever they're playing? And the Cardinals, yes. The, Cardinals. the Chiefs-Cardinals okay. game has the most expensive ticket of week one. Huh. Do you uh, dare guess how much this ticket is going for? No, just tell me. It's uh, five digits. Really? $24,089 is the most expensive ticket of the weekend. Hmm. And then uh, let's go to the cheapest. Uh, what game do you think has the cheapest ticket? Uh, let me see. The the Lions game against the Eagles? Ding, ding, ding. You got it right. <laughs> and uh, do you, I'm going to tell you right now, it ain't a five digit. <laughs> uh how much do uh, you think the see. cheapest ticket would be um, for the Lions? Five thousand dollars. It's two digits, Randy. That's not five thousand. What? Five thousand is the cheapest ticket. Oh, the cheapest ticket. Yes. I was thinking most. Um, the cheap. This is the cheapest ticket you can get all weekend. Thirty-five dollars. Uh, double it. 
70 78 dollars okay. is the cheapest ticket of the weekend hmm. <laughs> which uh you can go you can go to the lions eagles game this weekend without me if you want for hmm. a 78 no, we're going in two weeks so uh, i'm i'm good i'm good well that's interesting 20... I, I, I seriously just scrolled across that i was like well this will make for a quick fun game Twenty-four thousand. Isn't that nuts? Twenty-four thousand dollars to see the Cardinals Chiefs, which I'm sure will be a great game. Who's paying that much to to be there when you can watch it on TV? Probably an athlete. <laughs> Probably a comedian. Somebody who's got money. I, I don't, don't know. know. Wow, a really big Chiefs fan. What, uh, Rob Riggle, maybe. Uh... Oh, or a big Cardinals fan. You never know. <laughs> yeah, could be. Some of those Phoenix Suns players wanting to go see the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. Hmm. LeBron James, maybe. Who knows? Okay. All so, right, let's move on. All right, so we're going to we're going to move on to this week's history lesson and we're going to continue our discussion of some of the greatest individual player nicknames in football history. Uh, this is going to be a part 3. We're going to talk about some Heisman Trophy winners, but let's recap who we've done so far over the last uh, 2 weeks. Uh, and these are all in no particular order. We're not ranking them, you know, best to worst. We're just saying that here's here's a list of uh, some of the greatest. So, in part 1 we talked about Dick Night Train Lane, Lance Allworth and his nickname Bambi, Lou the Toe Groza, William the Refrigerator Perry, and Rod Smart, He Hate Me, from the 2001 XFL. And last week we talked about Reggie White, the Minister of Defense. Great nickname. Uh, Calvin Johnson, Megatron. Also great nickname. Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch. Great nickname. Fred the Hammer Williamson. Fantastic nickname. And uh, Howard Hopalong Cassidy. Weird nickname, but I'll allow it. <laughs> All right, so this week we have five more, and they're all Heisman Trophy winners. So let's start with the 1945 Heisman Trophy winner, fullback Felix Doc Blanchard, who was known as Mr. Inside, who played at West Point. So he's got like a double nickname. Yeah, that's true. And then the other, uh, the next is the uh, 1946 Heisman Trophy winner, which is actually his teammate, who he shared the backfield with, halfback Glenn Davis, Mr. Outside. And they both played at West Point, of course. Uh, of course, being a fullback, you know, when you when you need to pick up a yard or two, you give it to Mr. Inside, who runs right up the middle. When you need a few more yards, Mr. Outside can bounce it out towards the edge and uh, beat the beat the edge guy down the sideline, and that's exactly what they did. I'm pretty sure you've done a history lesson on Mr. Inside, Mr. Outside I before, haven't I you? I have. I have. I'm pretty sure I have. But anyway, let's go back to Blanchard here for a minute. Blanchard was the third overall pick in the 1946 NFL draft by the Pittsburgh Steelers. However, he chose not to play pro football and concentrate on his military career. He went on to serve in the Air Force and was a fighter pilot during the Vietnam War, flying 84 combat missions. He retired from the military in 1971 at the rank of Colonel. Now, Glenn Davis took a different path. Uh, he was the second overall pick in the 1947 NFL Draft by the Detroit Lions, but in September 1947, his rights were acquired by the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, he still had to serve his military commitment, and after he served that obligation, Davis did sign with the Rams and played for the team in 1950 and 1951, winning an NFL title with the Rams in 1951. From 1944 to 1946, Army posted a record of 27-0 and 1-tie. The duo of Blanchard and Davis was never part of a losing game at West Point. After they graduated from the Academy uh, in the spring of 1947, they were allowed to make a Hollywood movie called The Spirit of West Point, and in which they played themselves in a fictionalized story of their college careers. 
So yeah, I've got that movie. You haven't seen it, I don't think, but I I, I, I bought it and I I've watched it. Pretty interesting. I could have seen it with you. I don't remember. I remember one of the guys in the movie with them, one of the other football players, was uh, Alan Hale Jr., who starred as the skipper on Gilligan's Island. Oh. So uh, yeah, he was he was one of the uh, one of their teammates in that movie. So yeah, Mr. Inside, Mr. Outside. Another Heisman Trophy winner, the 1956 Heisman Trophy winner, by the way, was halfback Paul Horning, known as the Golden Boy. And he got that nickname because uh, he had blonde hair, and he played his college football at Notre Dame, where they have the Golden Dome. Oh, how appropriate. Yeah, he was the first overall pick in the 1957 NFL Draft by the Green Bay Packers. He played his entire career with the Packers from 1957 to 1966. However, he was suspended by the NFL, along with the Detroit Lions defensive tackle Alex Karras, for the entire 1963 season for gambling on NFL games. Horning won four NFL titles, including the very first Super Bowl. He was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1986. You've heard of Paul Horning, oh, the yeah. Golden Boy. Oh, yeah. Not, I don't, Kate says I've heard the nickname before, to be the honest Golden with Boy. you. Yeah. But uh, Paul Horning, yeah, I'm very familiar with that name. Okay. And now the 1961 Heisman Trophy winner, halfback Ernie Davis, known as the Elmira Express. He played his college football at Syracuse and was the first pick in the 1962 NFL Draft by the Washington Redskins after President Kennedy threatened to kick the team out of their new stadium if they did not draft an African-American player. You see, the stadium was built with public funds, and Washington was the last team to integrate African-American players onto the team. Uh, Washington owner George Preston Marshall complied and drafted Davis, but Davis refused to sign with the team, saying he wasn't going to play for that SOB. He didn't like Preston Marshall very much, uh, so he was traded to Cleveland. However, Davis died of leukemia before he ever got a chance to line up in the backfield of the Cleveland Browns alongside another former Syracuse running back, the great Jim Brown. Could you imagine that two, might have been two Heisman the, Trophy winners from Syracuse in the backfield for the Cleveland Browns. That could have been Browns. one of, if not the greatest backfield oh, in NFL history. Talk about Mr. Inside and Mr. Outside. That would have oh, been boy. that would have been it. You know? The Express and Jim Brown himself yeah. yep. in the same backfield yep. would have been incredible in the NFL. Yep. And uh, you've seen this movie. Uh, yep. There's a movie called The Express. It was made in, or came out in 2008, starring Dennis Quaid along with Rob Brown as Ernie Davis and Chadwick Boseman. As Floyd Little, the third uh, big running back that came from uh, Syracuse, that and all three of them wore number forty-four. So, if you've not seen that movie, check that one out. It's a it's a good movie. And finally, the nineteen sixty-three Heisman Trophy winner, quarterback Roger Staubach, known as Captain Comeback, and at other times Roger the Dodger. Uh, he led Dallas to twenty-three game-winning drives and fifteen fourth-quarter comebacks during his NFL career. And he could also scramble quite well to avoid being sacked or to buy time to find a, an open receiver. That's how he got those two nicknames. He was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys in the 10th round of the 1964 NFL Draft and was also drafted in the 16th round of the 1964 AFL Draft by the Kansas City Chiefs. He joined the Cowboys in 1969 after his military obligation was completed. Stallback served in the Vietnam during the Navy. He played for the Cowboys for 11 seasons from 1969 to 1979 and won two Super Bowls. He was actually named the MVP of Super Bowl VI, 
and he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1985. And so those are our five great nicknames for this week. You have uh, Mr. Inside and Mr. Outside, uh, Doc Blanchard and Glenn Davis. You have Paul Horning, the Golden Boy. You have Ernie Davis, the Elmira Express. And Captain Comeback, Roger Staubach. And that's it for our history lesson this week. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. What do we have next? Uh, i got to scroll back up here. We are to the... Upcoming events. Upcoming events calendar. Tonight, the final episode of HBO's Hard Knocks featuring our beloved Detroit Lions, episode 5. Premieres at 10 p.m. We'll be watching it as usual tomorrow and posting our review after that. Uh, seen a few little highlights from it. Um, trying trying to avoid most of them, but yep. uh, I did watch one or two or real quick ones, which didn't tell a whole lot. And this is going to be the one where the guys that are getting cut uh, learn about it. Yep. And so not always a happy happy ending to the series, you know. Uh, you get invested watching some of these players that uh, you know, are, on, are on the bubble, and but a couple, but there's a couple of guys that will make the team. Not, and I got to spoil it for anybody, yep. but somebody that we've been following that we are very excited who is and even become a starter. It sounds like yep. for week one, so yep. very excited to see what they do. But also, it's going to be heartbreaking to see some of these guys' yep. uh, NFL careers not be cut short, but. Uh, just have a temporary uh, roadblock. Right yeah, now. at least they're coming to an end with Detroit. You know, they might get picked up by other teams. They might uh, eventually get signed to the Lions practice squad, or some might else's. find a different team to land with. Yep. Some might get tryouts with other teams yep. and keep their journey trying to go. But that's what Hard Knocks does, man. Like yep. it's going to rip your heart out a little bit this yep. week. And it'll be interesting uh, in the weeks and years to come to see how this one stacks up to some of the other hard knocks in the yeah. past. I think this has been pretty I good. I think people said the last few years this this might be one of the better ones. I think mm. Dan Campbell <laughs> is to thank for that. Yeah, yeah it could be. And then also on top of doing the um, uh, our final video for hard knocks, we'll also have our first video up of our weekly NFL pick segment up yep. uh, right. tomorrow as well. That's going to come out in the morning, and then in the evening we'll have the uh, hard knocks video out. But then starting next week, Every Wednesday, exclusively Wednesday evening, we will have our picks up. Just a heads up. Yeah. Are you looking forward to getting beat again uh, this year for the fourth not, year in a row? I don't know what you're talking me? about because I'm going to take it this year. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, this Thursday, September 8th, the NFL regular season begins. Let's the, go. The Buffalo Bills at the Los Angeles Rams in just two days well, from now. Well, I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah, I am definitely ready too. And that's it for uh, the upcoming events. So uh, unless we have anything else, we are ready to bring this show to a close. Uh, not really any breaking news. No uh, no other fun little things I've stumbled across. Okay. So I I'm think sure as soon to... as we stop recording, there'll be a ton of things. That's how it always goes. That's how it goes. Well, that's all the time we've got for this week. If you learned something during this podcast about the incredible amount of diversity that exists in the world of football, then we've done our job. Visit our website at theworldoffootball.com for news, links, upcoming events, videos, and more. Our email address, if you want to reach us that way, is info at theworldoffootball.com. You can also like The World of Football on Facebook at TWOF Kalamazoo, pretty much on the backside of all of those different URLs. So facebook.com slash TWOF Kalamazoo. Uh, you can also follow our Twitter, also at TWOF Kalamazoo. That's where we post a lot of unique stories and pictures and videos and other stories that don't really make the cut for The World of Football podcast, but... We still like putting those stories out there. So if you want some more content, be sure to follow that. I posted a lot of highlights from the uh, weekend's CFL games. Yeah. A lot of great highlights from some of those games. Great. So, yeah, so make sure you're following us there because uh, 
If there's anything he does really well, Randy knows how to hit the retweet button. <laughs> uh, new episodes of this podcast are posted every Tuesday and are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Our YouTube channel is The World of Football Kalamazoo. So please head over there. If you could hit the subscribe button, hit the like button on a lot of our videos, if not all of them. Hit the little bell notification to get notified whenever we drop new videos. Leave us reviews on our videos, comments, whatever. <laughs> we, it, every little bit helps our little old YouTube channel grow. And we've seen a little bit of growth over the last couple of months, a lot of eyes on the videos, which we greatly appreciate. But mm-hmm. we would like to keep growing that sucker out a little That's bit. Right. So if you guys could come help us out and come be a part of the football conversation, we'd love to talk to you. And remember, folks, some people may love football more than we do. and That's hard to understand. But nobody, and I mean nobody, loves more football than we do. Until next time, I'm Randy Snow. And I'll be the owner of the London Monarchs in Madden NFL 23. Oh, really proud of you, son. I'm very proud. Thank you, Father. See you all next week.